Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Unless someone is severely tested throughout their life and still standing, that, that person right there uh, almost can't be fully trusted. Because I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because it, testing produces perseverance in our lives. And so the, there's also key factors, though, to overcome in life. So there's key factors and key principles to the word, in the Word of God. But the factors and keys is what God has given us. So number one, Jesus gave us a key when he was on the earth, right? And he gave us a key, and he says, I have overcome the world. I'm going to show you that. But then there's another key that he gives us. After he left, right, after he left on the cross and he got resurrected, he gave us a key, a specific key to overcome. It's like if you have keys and you label them yellow, blue, red, this one is called overcome. This key is called overcoming, right? And it actually says it verbatim in the scripture after Jesus left. I'm going to share with you what most people don't harp on when it comes to overcoming, right? Now, first I want you to look at John chapter 16, verse 33 in the New King James Version. And I'm not sure if it's going to be on the screens here, but um, if it is, I know Zach and the team will help us there. It says, these things Jesus said, I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So notice what the, the Lord says. He says, you will have, not might have, you will have tribulation. Now watch this. But be of good cheer. I have overcome. Everybody say overcome. I have overcome the world. So that's pretty easy. Jesus tells us, hey, don't worry. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And anybody who's a Christian knows that we can't overcome anything without the Lord, right? But then after he resurrects and he gives us the Holy Spirit, he gives us one main key. There's a lot out there, but one main key that specifically says how we overcome the world. Are you ready? Those of you who know the Bible should already know what it is. First John chapter 5, look at what it says. Oh, this is great. Verse 4 through 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Okay, you see that word overcome. Now watch this. Are you ready to shout with me? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world. What is that key? What is the victory? Our faith. Your faith. Not just your faith in Christ as a believer. Your faith in Christ to exercise kingdom authority. Kingdom authority using your faith. The victory to overcome the world, church, is your faith. That's why the enemy attacks your faith the most. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the victory to overcome the world is not just our belief in Jesus. That's number one. But after Jesus resurrected from the cross, the Holy Spirit's inside of us. Our faith overcomes the world. Our faith. Here's the victory. Our faith. Listen, the best way to overcome the world is through our faith. I want you to put that first point up there, all right? We're going to have a lot of points for you. For those of you who are at home, you can watch on our app as well. The best way to overcome the world is through our faith. That's the scripture that the Bible says. Our faith in Christ, not our good intentions, not our good ideas. We don't overcome by our our good inventions or even our skill set. We don't overcome the world by our wisdom and our knowledge or even a good idea. Some of us, we have really good ideas, but we don't overcome by those. We don't overcome by our bank account. We don't overcome by the stock market. Come on, amen? 
we overcome through our faith. Now, this lesson is so simple that it's easy to miss. We can run right past it, church, and we will not ever know what it is. Why? Because it's so simple that it's right in front of us. It doesn't give us, you know why many Christians run past it? Because this key right here eliminates us being in control. When it says our victory is our faith, that means it eliminates our control to have control in the situation. It simply means to trust and obey. It was this old song called Trust and Obey. How many remember that old gospel song? Many times trusting and not being in control does not feel natural. It doesn't. We want to have a sense of control. We want to have a sense of, of, of control in our situation. But let me just tell you this. We can easily do a lot of things through hard work. Come on, say amen. We, as a church, we could get by without faith. If you we, if we realize it, it we're not going to be successful, but many people... They work hard, they're diligent, they do a lot of things real hard in the natural, but they exclude the exercise of kingdom faith. And so why is this important? Because what God, I believe what, one of God's love languages is for us to trust him with all of our hearts when there is no control involved and use our faith in every situation that there is. That, I believe that's one of his love languages. You know, some, some may, teen, may, may tend to think that if the things don't turn out the way that it's supposed to turn out, that there's something wrong with them. We've bought into this lie in our, in our culture that if things don't turn out the way that we like it to turn out, that there's, we're sinning, that there's something wrong with us, there's something wrong. I, we have all, I think we have all battled that, haven't we? I think all of us at one time have said, you know what, maybe I'm sinning. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I've missed it. Maybe, watch this, here's a, here's a really good one that many of us think. Maybe God is judging me. The favor of God has left me. I know I have, I have, I have felt that sometimes with some of my affliction. I'm like, Lord, how long? You know, the fight, is, the fight of faith is what you believe in your heart and seeing with your mind is different. In other words, you believe, you, you theologically believe God is good, and that can't escape your heart, but your mind is seeing something different every day. Come on, come on, come on. Your mind is experiencing something different every day, yet your heart refuses to let go of truth that he is good. Your heart is anchored in the theology that God is faithful and he is good, yet your mind is seeing differently, and that's the fight. The fight of faith is not just not giving up. The fight is the tug of war that you have inside of you, what your heart believes and what your mind sees. Come on, somebody. What your heart believes and what your mind sees. That's the struggle. And we think that um, we, we can, something is wrong if something's happening to us. Do you guys remember the, the story of the man that was born blind in John chapter 9? He was born blind. And that, now, now, if you look at the scripture, it almost seems like the disciples were rude and were very insensitive, but they're actually thinking, talking about a Old Testament truth of generational bondages. And so without seemingly any compassion at all, the disciples said to them, they said, uh, Master, which person sinned that this one was born blind? So in their mind, they already related, there's a problem, he's blind, there must be a sin issue. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, Jesus, who was born blind? I mean, who, who sinned? This man that was born blind or his parents that he deserves this? 
And Jesus looked at them, and, and, and when I first read that, I said, how dare they? They have no compassion. No, no they're actually looking and knowing Old Testament principles. They were actually applying that. Well, something is wrong with them because he was born blind. We have adopted in this culture that whenever we go through a test, we're doing something wrong. We must be doing something wrong. We must be sinning. But Jesus looked at them and he goes, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this is for the glory of God. This has been allowed for some mysterious reason so that when I encounter him, everyone will see the Son of God has authority to heal blind eyes from birth. Come on, say amen. But what I love even more than the miracle is not so much that he healed him, is that he addressed to me, that's so much freedom. He addressed, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He didn't sin because he's going through tribulation. He didn't sin because he is blind, nor did his parents sin. I think we need to re-examine some of the things we've been learning when we go through testing. Because the testing of our faith, it looks hard on the walk, but doesn't mean that you're necessarily sinning. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily out of favor with God. Now, only you and the Lord know if you have blatant open doors. That's just going to add to your misery, right? But, but let me tell you something. Stop judging yourself or your situation because nobody is perfect. Well, the reason I got in this car accident, the reason I got this is because you know, I'm not reading the Bible enough. No, 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 no. The reason I got, it's like God is this magic wand saying, oh, you missed a day, Psh, little accident coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, over there, up oh, in the future, your bank account is going to be withdrawn. Nope, you didn't pray to me today. And he's like setting things up for you to fail. That's not what, what, what kingdom faith is. This, Jesus said, neither this man or his parents sinned. Now watch this. Put this up there, which is just uh, this point, this next point. We are constantly battling in our faith from what our heart believes and what our mind is currently seeing. That's what I just said. We are constantly battling. If you would be, take a poll and be honest with yourself. You know when Paul Apostle says, uh, I tear up every single, I don't know why, but every single time I read the scripture where he says, and he's literally, he's at the end of his life. I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I've run the race and I've kept the faith. And I thought to myself, you know how many people can't say that? They cannot say that I've started well and I finished well. We've got a lot of good starters, but a lot of few finishers, Right? And I teared up years ago saying, Lord, I want to finish well. Because there's a good start and there's the in-between part, right? The trials and the affliction and the anger with God and the frustration. And then, and then several years may pass and you get right with God again and then you finish strong. I don't even want, I want to be able to be consistent in, 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 in the, the storm and the calm and the rain. And so that's the fight. The real fight of the real wrestling is when you know the scriptures and you quote the scriptures and you're standing on the scriptures and you're saying, what else do you want me to do? And test still comes, trial still comes, and nothing seems to change. That's the fight, my friends. The fight of faith is when everything in you sees differently than what you believe and still believe what you believe. Come on. Come on. Another way that our faith comes under attack is through other people. That's a whole other sermon. But you got to be careful. you got to be careful of, of who you allow to label you spiritual or not. Right? 
You have to be careful. Well, the reason why Brother George or the brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so that you're going through this is because you're probably not fasting enough. You're, you're probably, you know, some, something is happening that you're probably not taking it too seriously. You're just probably angry with God, and God is just kind of teaching you. Do you remember Job's friends? Come on, please don't be, <laughs> please don't be like Job's friends, right? Like, Job's friends, if you look at the scriptures, like you really study them, they're actually righteous people. They were convinced in their mind that the reason why Job was going through all the hell that he was going through is because there's some hidden sin in Job, right? Job, come on, hurry up and just repent. Make it easy on yourself. Look at all the boils on your body. Your children died, literally, your children died. All these calamities in one day. Something is wrong. You know how I know? Do you know how that's this philosophy that we carry as Christians that if something, if we're going through something, we're doing something wrong? Even in Paul's, I, I did it in last week's message. When this, when he was just survived shipwreck, he went to the uh, island of Malta. Come on, say amen, Spanish people. Spanish people have some Malta in there. Come on, Holy Ghost. The Bible has Malta <laughs> and, and he's just warming himself up and a, a poisonous snake bit his hand, right? And he just shook it off. But there's so many areas in that story. The one area is what I preached last week where he just shook it off. He didn't pay attention to it. The, you know what the second part of it is that? Is that people thought that he was a murderer. Oh, he must be a murderer because he escaped the sea. But he, he's surely now being judged by God, by the snake. Do you see how this philosophy is, is circling around uh, from, from 2,000 years ago? If you're going through something bad, you must be doing something wrong. And I'm telling you, that is not it most of the time. You need to free yourself. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. You, you need to free yourself from thinking every, God is mad at you 24-7, 24 times. Again, if you're sinning, you will know. Your heart will convict you, and it will just add to the already misery that you have. But it's not God saying, uh, I am emptying your bank account because you're sinning, or I, um, because you're going through a test, then you must not be in favor with God anymore. You know how many times in my earlier years, and even recently with my affliction, that I said, Lord, just don't leave me. Lord, let, don't, don't let your favor. And then it's like I catch myself saying that. And it's like you have to choose at that moment. What do you believe? What, what do you believe about God? Come on, say amen. And so you, you, have, to, you have to look at, at these examples. Now, I want you to look at um, this next slide. This is going to really bless you. This next slide. Testing is built into God's system of establishing kingdom faith in you. Testing is built into God's system of establishing kingdom faith in you. Now, if, if we were to try to interpret um, in our lens, I'm saying in our lens, what should be in the Bible, uh, what's right or what's wrong when it comes to things happening to us, we would have to eliminate 80% of the Bible stories and 80% of the, of the Bible principles. Why? Because nobody's name got in the Bible without severe testing. Hardly anybody's life, could you imagine, oh, watch this, could you imagine your life being recorded and you not knowing it, right, and, and how you respond to testing is later going to be in the Holy Scriptures for everyone to read and everyone to see. They were human beings just like us, but guess what, nobody made it into the Bible without going through some severe testing. If we would interpret our time of what should be right or wrong, or, or is this something that I should be going through right now? Testing is part of what you're going to go through. 
So I would say this to you, that if you don't leave this right now, you're going to be in some miserable situations because of the fact you're going to be convinced that there's something wrong with you. The Bible is packed with acts of faith under pressure. I love that. The Bible is packed with acts of faith under pressure. Just think about some of the names. I wrote some names down. Some of the names that made it into the scripture, right, and all the tests they had to endure, right, that was now recorded for all man to see. How about Abraham, right? One of our, the, the, the founding fathers of the faith, right? Way back in Genesis. Abraham, he could have kids. Back in those days, you need to have a lineage. If you wanted to have a lineage, you wanted to keep your name. He, his, his wife couldn't have children. And then when his wife finally bore a child, the Lord says, I want you to kill the child. Imagine that, that the testing of the faith, how you respond. How about, how about Jacob when he actually was born? He was a deceiver, struggled with deceiving others and his family members a lot of his life. He, he was going through testing. How about Esther? She had the biggest test of her life. Esther was about to approach a king without the proper protocol to save an entire race of people, right? Uh, Jacob, Jake, I mean, Jacob did the same thing. Abraham. All on and on. I could go Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached the gospel, and then he was put in prison in a, uh, a prison that was like a cistern with, a, with a dirt and mud. And some, theolog- some historians say that the, the, the prison that Jeremiah was in was like four feet tall. Could you imagine? Could you imagine not being able to fully stand up and you're sinking because there's no solid ground? A prophet of the Lord was sent there. Now, my question is, did Jeremiah do something wrong in God's eyes? Yet God allowed it. And then my wife, she's been on the Joseph, she's had a revelation of Joseph. What did Joseph do wrong? What did Joseph do wrong to get in the pit? Yet we think we're sinning or there's something wrong when we have tests. Kingdom faith is built by testing. That's what I'm going to tell you, okay? So what are some of the key points concerning the value of faith? I want to put that side on there, and I'm going to give you some quick points here. Some key points concerning the value of our faith. Number one, all right? It's going to be on the screen. The most important power we possess as followers of Christ is our faith. Say that with me. The most important power we possess as followers is our faith, is our Christ. <laughs> you know what I mean. For Christ is our faith. You said it right, I said it wrong, all right? Now, remember our opening scripture. Our opening scripture was, this is our victory that we have overcome the world. How? Our faith. Our faith has overcome the world. This is what we overcome, right? And so, kingdom faith, look at the next slide, is one of the top tools also that God has given us to resist and threaten the devil. So, it's not we overcome the world through our faith. We overcome the enemy through our faith and exercising our faith. Let me tell you something. What the enemy is going to attack the most is not your ability to jump and holler and scream in church. He's not going to attack. Actually, he's not really intimidated by that. He's not going to be intimidated by our extravagance, even our worship. The, we, that's not going to really stop him. But it, what's going to scare him is if we get a reality of how we use our faith against him. Now, look. Now, remember, how do we overcome the world? Our faith. How do we overcome the enemy? Our faith. You say, how? I'm glad you asked. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Very, very popular, right? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Look what it says. If you're watching on, in, in your homes right now, follow with me. Look at what it says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring, we know this, right? Like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. How do we resist him? 
Resist him steadfast in the faith. What? Resist him steadfast in the faith. In other words, that phrase, in the faith, is exercising your faith. Resist him by exercising your faith and saying, no, we will declare the word of the Lord over the enemy's temptations over my life, over the enemy's testing. You resist the enemy by faith in Christ and by using your faith. Remember, there's a difference between your faith in Christ and then exercising your faith through Christ in you. Come on, say amen. So it's one of the ways to, to defeat the enemy. Now, do you look, let me ask you a question. Do, do you and I look at your faith as your greatest asset against the enemy? Do you use your faith against the lies of poverty? Do you use your faith against the lies of sickness? I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, you know what? Faith is the only thing I have left because I've been to so many doctors. I, I, ha, I, I have to. I have to. Even though I don't feel like it many times, I have to force myself. My wife can tell you, I have to force myself. Okay, I believe. I believe. I believe that God's going to heal me. I believe. I believe. I believe. That's all I have left. I think sometimes God will make you uh, strip to that point where you go to everything and that you only have faith in Christ. Only have faith when you've tried everything. Remember the, the woman with the issue of blood? The Bible says she went to several doctors and they made her worse. And then she got this desperation and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she was healed. And so you use your faith against the enemy, all right? Number two, look at this next slide here. Faith is, oh, this is good. Faith is your belief and conviction that creates your confidence in your life. I want to say that again. Come on, amen, corner. You can say amen to me here this morning. Faith is your belief and conviction that creates your confidence in your life. What do I mean by that? When you lose your faith, you lose your confidence. Let that sink in. You want to have confidence? Stay active in faith. Stay active in faith. Let me tell you, the most lowest times that I've had uh, is when I've almost lost faith that God could breakthrough because you've been going through this so long. You lose confidence when you lose faith. Glory to God. Glory to God. When you lose your faith, you cannot be confident. You begin to waver. You begin to question. You begin to doubt. And there is no way on this earth that you could say that you are confident if you've lost faith. All of a sudden, you know what that progression looks like? You lose your faith. When I say lose your faith, I'm not saying um, like I'm denying God altogether. That's definitely walking away from the faith. When I say losing your faith is you no longer are absolutely persuaded in your mind and in your heart that God says what he's going to do in his word for you. You may say, well, you know, these are the cards that I'm, I'm dealt with uh, that I'm going to deal with all the rest of my life. And I've battled that. Like, well, maybe this is what I have to deal with with the rest of my life. And it's that war. It's that war. It's that war, right? It, once that leaves, guys, your confidence is down the drain. Once you, why? Because hope deferred makes a heart sick. And so that once you have, your faith is lost in, your, in God's ability to do something that he said he could do in your life, then it's almost like, why believe for anything else? Then your confidence will start slipping down. Then you won't care for yourself anymore. Then you start, don't worry about your eating habits because don't worry, you're going you're gonna to be sick all your life anyway. So might as well just eat what you want. Might as well be unhealthy. Might as, do you see how the progression is? Faith is your belief and conviction that creates your confidence in your life. High confidence, high faith. Low confidence, low faith. Amen. 
Number three, the testing, oh Lord, this is going to be good. Come on. The testing of your faith is God's prerequisite for trusting you. Come on. Listen to what I am saying right now. The testing of your faith is God's prerequisite for trusting you. With his anointing, with his presence, with his ability to teach, with his ability, with your ability to take the gospel to the nations. But he has to test you before he can trust you. I'm going to say this. God will not trust anything that's not tested. Put that up there. Put that up there. Look at that next slide. Look at that. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. God will not trust what he doesn't test. You look at everybody that went through testing, and you say, well, God is almighty. He don't need to trust anybody. He doesn't need when it comes to his ability to execute him being God. But let me tell you something. We live in this fantasy world. He needs people that he could trust so that the message of his kingdom could go forward. Could you imagine if he trusted the gospel with insecure leaders who were not filled with faith and filled with boldness and like, well, I don't know, maybe Jesus is not the only way. I don't know. I, what? Could you imagine the persecution that the early church was going through and they were not fully persuaded that this is part of the game? <laughs> Let me tell you guys something. God will not trust what he doesn't, uh, what he doesn't test. What is a prerequisite? I looked that up. You guys know what that is, but for those that want a more definition, it's a requirement necessary before something is given or granted to you. I'm going to say that again. Prerequisite is a requirement necessary to be done before something is given to you or you have access to. So the testing of our faith is God's prerequisite for trusting you. So here's the question. Here's the question. Are you going through a lot of testing? Oh, come on. I'm going to preach here for a second. Are you going through a lot of testing right now? Maybe it's because God wants to trust you with something mighty in the future. Maybe because the weight that's going to come on you and the responsibility that's going to come on you is going to be so strong and it's going to affect masses of people that you need to endure the testing now so you won't ruin it when he gives it to you later. So then the testing is a prerequisite. And, and, and you know what? And that's a true statement, and I rejoice. I'm like, Lord, thank you, Jesus. The Lord, you must be getting me ready for something good. You must be getting ready to the church for something good. If you're going through this testing, it's because, listen, when all hell breaks loose on you, you, you could take a licking and keep on ticking. And that's what God desires when he tests you. He tests you not just to show you and make you stronger so that he could trust you with greater in the future. All these men and women of God in the Bible, they were under intense testing. But you know why? Because they had, they had intense ministries. They had, they had powerful ministries that had to endure the testing. You have to endure the testing in order for you to release what God has through you. Can I hear an amen? Our own Lord had testing. Before the cross, by the way, everyone could agree that the greatest testing of humanity is the cross, right? But even before the excruciating test of the cross, by the way, he could have said no. He could have said, no, I just give in. I give in. People fail to realize that he was not a robot. He could, he had feelings. He hurt. He could have said, I don't want to go through this. But he did anyways. That was a test, right? If you read Philippians, the Bible says, because he was obedient to the point of death, therefore, that means the test was the cross that therefore was the result of the test. God has given him the name above every name. 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, right, that Jesus is Lord. That, therefore, was given as a, as a prerequisite for the trust that the Father had in his Son by going through the cross. But even before that, do you know what test that Jesus had to go through? He went through his first major test before he started ministry, before he even uttered a, 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 the preaching of the gospel as we know it, right? He went 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness without food or water. And the enemy, let me just say this. This is really good. The Lord will test your faith as a prerequisite to entrust you with more. But the enemy will use that broken state that you're in during the testing to try to take advantage of you. Do you let me ask you a question. When did the devil come to Jesus during the fast? Was it in the first day of his fast? Was it in the fifth day of his fast? Was it in the tenth day of his fast? It was in the very last day of his fast when he's barely hanging on. You guys, listen, if you guys like me, if you fast two days, you're just like, oh, God, help me. If I fast two days, especially if I don't have coffee, I'm like, Lord, take me home. Take me home. It's just I'm getting migraines, you know. And <laughs> Jesus fasted for 40 days. Not, 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 let me backtrack and say, after two days of fasting, if you give me anything that's not even appetized, I'll be like, that looks like a hamburger to me. I'll eat it, right? I'll be so excited. It could be like a chicken bone. I'll just suck on that. <laughs> the enemy, watch this. this. Here's how testing could be taken advantage from the enemy. Because when you're tested, you're, you're, you become very vulnerable. And so the enemy came on the 40th day. And what did he do? He didn't say, hey, look at this woman, Jesus. Look at this woman. He didn't cause him to lust. What did, the, out of all the temptations that the enemy could have did, he was like, this is perfect. He is weak. He's very hungry. And I know he's being tested by God. Now watch, I, I'm going to prove it to you. Because right after the, the, the test, guess what Jesus, the, the Bible says about Jesus? He came out of the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit and power. The test was the wilderness the trust was the spirit and power, right? The enemy tempted him with food. Food. If you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You know, have you guys ever seen those Looney Tune uh, um, uh, cartoons when you were younger? And like there, this uh, somebody was like in a in a desert, and they haven't eaten for like a day or two, and they look at and they look at the you know the Bugs Bunny, or they look at somebody, and they become like a hot dog, you know. <laughs> But in my mind, that rock would have been a juicy hamburger. I would have been like, man, I could use, I could turn that rock into a hamburger, boy. Turn this, turn this rock, turn this rock into a bread. Then I'll believe you. Think, think about that. So the testing of your faith, always remember this, from God is to entrust you with something and so you could grow, Right? But the testing of your faith also makes you vulnerable to the enemy's attacks if you don't know why you're being tested. If you know why that the test is from God and that you're not doing anything wrong and you're not, you know, like Job's friend saying that you're sinning and you know that you're still reading the word and you're still faithful and all hell's breaking loose, if you can know that God has not abandoned me during this time of testing, you'll come out strong on the other end. Come on, say Amen. And not only that, you'll be a powerful weapon against the enemy. I'm almost closing here. Amen. 
Now, what is the object and the source of your faith? There's going to be some last screens here, okay? What is the object and the source of your faith? For those of you who are looking uh, today from your homes, what is the source of your faith? What is the object of your faith? In other words, what are you putting your source of faith in? Even though we all say we're Christians, by our actions, we put our source of our faith in something else. Number one, here's a couple of things. The source of your faith determines the quality of your faith. I know this is a little deep, but just I want you to follow with me. The source of your faith determines the quality or the substance of your faith, all right? Is your faith filled with substance, with quality? Uh, the reason why we lose heart is because we put our faith in the wrong source. And that is what we're trying to accomplish with this, with this series. The reason why many of us get disappointed is because we are... are putting our faith in the wrong source. So our source of your faith determines the substance or the quality of your faith. Let me ask you this. Are you putting your faith in the church? You will be disappointed. Are you putting your faith in a pastor or leader? You will be disappointed. Are you putting your faith in your spouse? You will be disappointed because you were never supposed to put your faith in your spouse. That a lot of times, well, you know, I just don't believe you anymore. That, that person just lost faith in them, but their faith is only as strong as the source is in. So if you say, well, I'm just so disappointed with my job right now. You know, they don't see how hard I work. Then your source of faith is your job. Come on. Your job is giving you what it deserves, but your source of your faith should not be your job. Your source of your faith should be like, if they close tomorrow, God still has me. Now, do we, do we, really, do we really believe that? I got to credit my wife because she is 100% more that way than I am. I'm more the analyzer. And I'm like, okay, how are we going to survive? We're going to use faith, but we're going to use this too right here, right? My, my wife, we got it. With this building, I'm like, you know, we're going to faith. We're going to have faith. We're going to pray. And then, um, you know, the Lord's told me something. I haven't shared this with anybody. The Lord's told me something about when it comes to adding on to faith. Faith without works is dead. So I, I get that, right? But I'm not adding, not adding, um, uh, humanistic efforts in replacing faith, right? So the Lord told me this example. He said, remember when David was counted, counted Israelites and he got in trouble by the Lord? I said, yes, I remember that. I mean, it seems like something innocent. He just, he just said, okay, there's the enemy. I have given you favor over them. And then David counts, has a census over all of the armies of Israel. And God was angry with David because he's saying, in you counting, come on somebody, in you counting the number of the strength of the Israel army, you're basically saying you have no faith in what I told you I was going to accomplish in you. Because I told you, regardless of the strength of your army, regardless of who you have with you, I'm with you. And yet, many of us are like David. We're like, yes, I have faith, but let me count how much. How, let me just go ahead and count how much I really have. Oh, oh, okay. I have $10,000 in the bank account. Okay. It's easy to have faith when you have that type of knowledge. But can you have faith when everything is empty and the Lord says, in a couple of days, you're going to have a breakthrough? And that's why, listen, this is so good what I'm about to say. Not only do other people could stifle your faith, but other people could be used to strengthen your faith. Right? That's why I thank God for people. There's people that text me, Pastor, you're going to get healed. And you know what? That adds to my faith. Because everything in me is like, yeah, right. I'm just going to be honest. But that, that's my mind. But my, my heart has to say, yes, I agree with that. Yes, I have to believe in that. Yes, I'm going to be healed one day. 
Whatever the case may be with you. That's why you and I, we could add to someone's faith. Even if you don't, even if, if you don't, stop putting pressure on yourself. Like we think that by saying that, that they're going to be, be healed that day. And if they don't, it's your responsibility. No. What, when someone says something, I'm sick, I'm like, I believe they're going to be healed. What's the worst that could happen? Okay, they don't get healed. I'm still believing that they get healed. And, and that is the key. Now, I'm almost done. Because why do we get frustrated? Because Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That's, we weren't designed to put our faith in anything else. Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, I'll be here real quick in the NLT. It says, therefore, we are, since we are surrounded by a large crowd of witnesses, in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He starts it and he finishes it. Come on, say amen. All right? Now look at number two when it comes to the source of your faith. And I'm almost done. Number two, the object and source of your faith determines the quantity of your faith. In other words, how much faith do you have inside of you determines by how much word you put inside of you. So the object of your faith not only determines the quality, but it determines the quantity. The Bible says in Romans, we all have been given a what? Measure of faith, right? But that measure is up to us to increase. Not God's. Now listen, I know there's a gift of faith, but if we all been given a measure of faith, we can increase that measure. Why? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing of the word. So if faith comes by hearing of the word, we, you and I, have the ability to increase our faith. And so the object of our faith determines the size or the quantity of our faith. The more you study God's word, the bigger your faith becomes. Glory to God. And then lastly, point number three. Your faith is only as secure as to what you choose to put your trust in. I want you to let that sink in. Your faith is only as secure as what you put you, chose to put your trust in. Let me give you an example. When you guys came in, the uh, leaders here that are going to be with us for our meeting, when you sat down on that chair, you had faith in that chair that it will not collapse. Because you did not one time look and ease yourself on there. You just said, here's a chair, and I'm going to sit down, and I have no worries. You didn't you have any worries at all. You knew that that chair was going to hold you. But if you ever had an incident, come on, say amen. If you ever had an incident where you sat on a chair, and that chair broke, and you got embarrassed, and you got hurt yourself, I guarantee you, anywhere you go that has a chair, you're going to be like, Why? Because your faith is only as secure as what you put your trust in. All right? So here's the thing. If we put our trust in things that fail from time to time, then that will be our security. We'll, we'll be halfway secure all the time. But if our faith is in a God who never fails, that, that, that he will never uh, allow us to, be, to get tempted beyond what we can bear, then we're secure. We're secure because our faith is only as strong as uh, what we choose to trust in. Now, here's the last point, and I'm going to say this really carefully. You don't lose when you lose the blessing. You lose when you lose your faith. 
A lot of times people think, well, you know, I'm not getting blessed. I'm, I must be doing something wrong. I see everybody else getting blessed except me. Why is this person having a car? And I've been praying for a car for five years. Why does this person have a new house? We've been stuck in the same house for 15 years. Why is this person have a church building? And I've been uh, seeking faithfully the Lord. Why? You don't lose when you lose the blessing. You lose when you lose your faith. Th- guys, if, you, if I could just... If I could just share with you transparently that one thing that the enemy wants us to do is not lose the blessings. He wants us to lose our faith. Our faith that God can still provide, that God is still good, that he is still Lord, that we will still walk with God. Let me tell you, you know what David said? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. He never says, Lord, deliver me from the valley. He says, I will walk through this valley, but while I walk through it, I'm not going to fear any evil because you are with me. That's faith. That's security. You are with me. During my pain, Lord, you're with me. During my financial problem, you're with me. During my children getting rebellious and rambunctious, you are with me. You have to convince yourself God has not left you. You have to convince yourself, God has not left me. Behold, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. I'm with you. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, my friends, I'm closing up here. If, if, can we have Zach or somebody on the keyboard? I miss somebody on the keyboard. Come on, somebody. Or you, you play. All right. Oh, Shalini, maybe? Shalini, can you get on the keyboard? Thank you. somebody. We're going to get, we're going to pray right now for those of you who are watching online and we're going to wrap it up. But I want to encourage you, kingdom faith, listen, is this. If you could get one thing out of today's message, get this. You're not doing anything wrong just because you're being tested. A prerequisite for God trusting you is the testing of your faith. How many want God to trust you with great things? Well, get ready for testing. Get ready for your faith to be tested because he is going to do that. Okay, yes, yes, at the end, yes, yes, thank you. But I want, I want to say, take a moment to, to pray. Uh, thank you for my leaders reminding me. I haven't had an altar call like in three months, man. Isn't this awesome? Let's just, just sit for a moment. Music. Praise God. If you're watching on home, guys, I want you to go ahead and just close your eyes right now. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would rekindle faith, that you would rekindle faith in our hearts. Lord Jesus, that if we lose anything, let us not lose our faith. We can lose the blessings, we can lose positions, but let us not lose our faith, Lord, because the prerequisite for you trusting us with great responsibility is the testing of our faith. You will not trust anything that you have not tested, Lord. So, Father, even though it's painful at times, we know, as Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust you. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for those who are watching even here today. Lord God, that if they've lost their faith, that you would cause them to know that it's not because they did something wrong. It's not because you left them. Life has a way of deterring us away from the Father. Bring them back to you, Lord God. Restore their faith and restore their faith in the promises of God. In the hope that you still are good, that the Bible is still real. In Jesus' name.
And everyone said? And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you guys. We love you. We want to thank you for tuning in. Right now, I want to ask you one thing before you log off. Your tithe and your offerings make it possible for us to continue functioning. In these last three months that we've been in quarantine and we've been providing you with a recorded services, uh, we've been blessed by the Lord to be able to still sustain. Yes, we've got a hit for a couple of times, but God always restored. And so our tithe and offerings are obedience to the Lord, but also our tithe and offerings help to continue the work of the Lord. So right now where you're at, you can get your app, you can get your phone, and you can just click on the app to give. You can go to remnantchristiancenter.com to give, uh, and you can very easily give right now. Grab your phone right now and text that number on the screen. Uh, there's several ways to give. There's uh, Remnant CC, and you text it uh, 77977. You'll get a prompt. Literally, it'll take about one minute. Why don't we go ahead and close it off by going into that video, and we want you to have a blessed day, and we will see you guys next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.